do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. This month's segment is Kabbalistic Psychology Part 2, and in this segment we're going to focus on the part of the soul uh, known as the nefesh. So uh, it's definitely one of those uh, podcast series of episodes where you are going to benefit from listening to these in order and listening to the previous parts before you listen to each successive part. So please go back if you haven't and listen to Kabbalistic Psychology Part 1 first, which was kind of an introduction and an overview to the the doctrines of the Kabbalistic parts of the soul in general. So as I was mentioning in the introduction last time, my aim with this series of episodes is not merely to introduce you to the traditional views of the parts of the soul and define each one and talk about their interplay a little bit, but also to stress the importance of the evolution of these parts of the soul and their interaction as it is relevant to the Aeon of, of Horus, the new Aeon. You will recall from the first episode also that, um, from the introduction, that my overarching theme for the series involves the ways that some of our current views of the functioning of the human psyche and spirit that are largely conditioned by the last couple thousand years of the Aeon of Osiris will necessarily need to evolve along with our actual functioning, not just our understanding of our functioning, but our actual functioning in order for humanity itself to evolve. Um, you know, I, I made the point last time that uh, we we look at our functioning as human beings in terms of the Ruach's uh, ability to govern the Nefesh and make decisions that aren't simply based on impulse. We look at that nowadays as a pretty obvious fact of, of human life and, and, and human cognitive functioning, that, that we're not simply bound to live in a purely reactive animalistic place coming from the nefesh, that the Ruach can exert some, some mastery there. So remember that the premise here is that 500 years from now, humanity will look back on our current state of understanding and wonder why we didn't understand the, the fullness of our, uh, of our neshama and our, um, our, essentially our divine nature. So we'll have the same sort of bemusement looking back on humanity's evolution and self-understanding now as we do looking back, say, a couple thousand years when, or more when uh, perhaps humanity wasn't as aware of the breadth and depth and power of its own Ruach. So that said, let's dive into the Nefesh a little bit, so to speak. Now, uh, the Nefesh is also known as the animal soul. So in here we have uh, instincts, drives, primal drives, the, the sexual generativity, um, the autonomic nervous system, uh, also the astral body, um, so-called. And this can include the uh, etheric body, which is a seen, as I've talked about in the Astral Projection episode, is seen as sort of a, um, a energetic skeleton that is more or less right beneath the surface of the physical body. 
whereas the astral body is the mental space itself and the, the field of mind. Um, but at the, at the level of the nefesh, this is fairly primitive and uh, highly symbolic and largely unconscious to the everyday functioning of the human being. The nefesh encompasses the personal unconscious of Jung, contrasted with the collective unconscious. That is, the personal unconscious is the, the unconscious contents that are unique to the biography of the individual. They um, involve memories that are forgotten, or things that have been repressed, or things that have never been conscious, uh, as well as things that are simply not conscious at the moment, things we have access to that are simply not in our present awareness. So that's the personal unconscious. But uh, the nefesh can be a conduit of collective and transpersonal symbols. And I'll say a bit more about this here because it's extremely important in terms of the path of the initiate. Um, we know that in many models, including my own, the nefesh is placed at the sphere of Yasod on the tree of life. And um, as such, it has an intimate relationship to the process of initiatory advancement in the sense that before adepthood, before knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, the primary way that information or, you know, communication from the angel makes it to our conscious mind is through the field of the unconscious. That is through the intervention of symbol. Uh, and this shows up in, in dreams and intuitions and in, in our paying attention to synchronicities and, and such. And the symbol system that captures this really well, um, that relates to certain correspondences we might expect on the tree of life, would be that the the nefesh and yesod are like a uh, the the silvery or lunar consciousness that reflects the light, the solar light, the golden light of of Tefereth and the HGA into our conscious minds. It's as if our conscious minds are looking down into our own unconscious, and that uh, misty, shadowy lunar, slightly muddled and, and confusing uh, field of awareness uh, becomes a, a conduit for communication from the angel. And the better we get at speaking that language, that symbolic language, that is the, the native tongue of the nefesh, um, the better we are able to become conscious of the tools for attainment. In other words, the, the system of attainment that is in fact being communicated to us by the Holy Guardian Angel at all times if we can listen the right way. Now, the placement of the Nefesh at Yesod also shows us, through its proximity to Malkuth, the tight relationship between the Nefesh and the Goof, which is the physical body, G-U-P-H is how it's usually transliterated. So this is the mind-body connection at its most hardwired and primal. Um, the aspects of sub subconsciousness which are most intimately engaged with autonomic function, such as the, the functions of, in the brainstem um, that are close to the um, 
physically close and close in function to the unconscious rhythms connected with bodily rhythms like the sleep-wake cycle and the heart rate and, and the breathing cycle. So that part of our consciousness, which is in fact embodied in the nefesh, is the part of us that is most in tune inherently with our bodily functioning. And this is another way that the nefesh can serve us uh, in, in our path of initiation and in our, simply in our self-knowledge, because it has the wisdom of the body um, built in, kind of baked into to what it is. Uh, and I think you can get a sense of how important that can be in terms of uh, knowing ourselves and being able to work with that mind-body connection. Now, like every other aspect of consciousness, including our intellect, our emotions, um, the, the nefesh and its intuitive nature is one source of data that the ruach, the, the center of conscious uh, awakened awareness in the human being, uh, can manage and, and master and, and govern the psyche. So the Ruach takes these signals, these data flows from all of the senses and uh, the different parts of, of the self and tries to integrate them into a picture that makes sense and make decisions accordingly if we are living in our fullness, if we're living centered in the, in the Ruach. Um, now the, the, the Nefesh is in many ways and I know this is a cliche, but I'm going to use it anyway. Um, it's like the inner child. Uh, it's the child aspect of consciousness in the sense that it is the most primal. It is the one we start our life living through and developing, a much more primal, instinctual, um, reactive way of being. Very, very in tune with all our senses and operating um, in, a, in a, an immediate kind of cause and effect relationship without much uh, of the reflective consciousness that we think of with the Ruach. So if we think of the Nefesh as the, the, the child aspect of consciousness, we also understand that the Nefesh is tightly bound up in the body and its truths. Then we can see that what has actually happened in the old aeon over the course of several thousand years of mostly Judeo-Christian influenced oppression is a lot of uh, body negativity and sex negativity, shame essentially, that's been baked into our cultural experience for, for most of us in the West for several thousand years. And um, Therefore, a lot of what we're going to talk about today in terms of the new aeon evolution of the Nefesh has to do with what we do about this old aeon damage. In a very real way, our culture for thousands of years has abused the Nefesh as, as if it's an abused child. And therefore, the work we have to do moving forward to evolve in the new aeon context I believe has a lot to do with healing that damage and um, 
this brings me to a model that I'm going to lay out over the course of this and the next two episodes, which cover the Ruach and Neshama respectively. And that is um, a, a three-part sequence of transformation that, for convenience, I think fits pretty well into the idea of purification and consecration and then initiation. And in this episode, I, I think it's important to emphasize that what we're doing with the nefesh is akin to purification. We are purifying the life force and the body, which is its vehicle. Um, we are healing this nefesh by giving it an opportunity to live and come out in play without shame, without that body negativity and sex ne negativity that has been so so endemic and um it's it's much like the the abused child that's finally getting a chance to realize it's not bad all the time uh, that it's not uh, a source of evil and a source of uh, shame and it needs to be just uh kind of whipped until it falls into line and and does what uh, what society wants now the vulnerability of the nefesh and their meaning the vulnerability of, of the, the new child entering the world um, has a lot of fear built into it typically. Um, the child is, is uh, unsure of the surroundings, is trying to get its footing literally, you know, how, how do I get around this place? How do I, uh, how do I move? How do I use my body? Who are these other people here? Uh, these giant parent figures in my life, and and can I trust them? Um, obviously, I'm depending on them for life and sustenance and nurturance. Um, so, one of the ordeals of everyone's nefesh is to cultivate a right relationship with the ruach. In other words for us to find a way to be the best parent we can be to ourselves. The Ruach needs to parent the Nefesh in a compassionate way, in a non-judgmental way, in a way that says that to the, to the Nefesh that its instincts, its drives, everything it is, sexuality, uh, body and life force, all of this is divine and, 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 Perfect. And so the purification, the washing away of old aeon influence here has a lot to do with letting go, you know, cleansing us of, of those sorts of old aeon obsessions. Um, now, one of the reasons that it's so important in our evolution to, to do this healing of the nefesh is that if we don't, as, as initiates or simply as human beings, if we don't, uh, do this purification step in relation to old aeon baggage, then we are in a place where this vulnerable part of us is liable to reach out to unhealthy dependencies in order to feel safe. So this is why people become overly dependent on other people um, for support or guidance when, when really we need to be more independent and trusting of ourselves. Um, and also, when we have addiction issues, 
where the aim is to numb out the sphere, or at least forget about it for a while through some sort of anesthetic process. Uh, so when we cultivate the right healthy relationship between Ruach and, Nesha, and Nefesh, then we, we put our trust in the right place. We put our, um, we address our vulnerability in healthy ways and we form this, uh, healthy dependence, interdependence really, um, in a way that will tend not to make us, uh, turn to unhealthy sources. Now, another way of thinking about why it's so important to be doing this this purifying of the nefesh is that for magicians, and especially Thelemic magicians who are bringing in work with kundalini and with the, the concept of sexual magic and knowing that there is an evolutionary power bound up in the life force itself, you know, if if we are suffering from neuroses of the nefesh, in other words, this sex and body negativity and shame that I was talking about, um, that's going to muddy the waters of every bit of magic we do. If we are walking into our temple to perform a ritual and there is a part of our brain that is feeling we are somehow dirty and evil, that our bodies are, are evil or are uh, corrupt in some way, that there's I guess it's one way of uh, one way of putting it would be that we're we're we saw this sort of original sin neurosis from the old aeon. Uh, if if we're bringing that into the temple, then that will corrupt and corrode uh, our magic. So, what we are essentially doing in building this right relationship to the nefesh and right understanding of it is that we're recognizing the inherent power of this life force. We are, by, by purifying it uh, and coming into a wholesome relationship with it, making its full power available without being tainted by these cultural accretions, shame and guilt, and so on. And we then can utilize it in a fully empowered way. Now, there's one more very important dynamic with the Nefesh that I want to discuss today, and that relates to some of the religious accretions around the treatment of the nefesh that are characteristic of the old aeon. Namely, the idea that we are essentially going to be victimized by the naughty, you know, basic sexuality of our nefesh unless we get help from an exterior god. Unless we turn to some sort of concept of, of uh, God on a cloud, you know, that is going to save us from ourselves. And this is one of the most poisonous aspects, I think, of, of religious culture of the past couple thousand years in the West. And it is one that this purification process is uh, hopefully going to be effective in, in overturning for us the idea that we in fact don't need a savior most especially and emphatically we don't need a savior that somehow is going to protect us from ourselves because we are in ourselves divine and complete 
So I think you'll see as we continue to talk about this model extended to the other parts of the soul, the way this, this viewpoint evolves as well, the way that we can see what a new Aeon way of looking at the uh, divinity of the whole human and all its parts uh, can evolve as well. So this has been an overview of the Nefesh, and um, I, I hope that it's uh, fitting in as a building block into your understanding of Kabbalistic psychology itself, but also this uh, model of human evolution that we're building up here based on the Kabbalistic parts of the soul. So as always, if you have uh, comments or questions, direct them to me at david at livingthelema.com. See resources at livingthelema.com as well. And for more information on various avenues of training, you can contact the AA at onestarinsight.org and the Temple of the Silver Star at totss.org. Thanks very much for listening. Love is the law. Love under will.